Hello and welcome to Manga Splaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read manga before. Hosted by Deb Aoki, David Brothers, Christopher Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. You can follow along with our reading list at mangasplaining.com. This week I'm going to be hosting. My name is Christopher Butcher. I uh, do a lot of things in comics, but uh, most recently I've been posting to a fun little Instagram called Japan High Low, where I share pictures I have taken in Japan, and it is uh, hella calming. Hella calming. Uh, with me, as I mentioned, are uh, Deb Oki, uh, David Brothers, and Chip Starsky. Maybe I'll let them introduce themselves. Deb, do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, I'm Deb Aoki. Uh, I write about manga, and um, I am also a user experience designer, but that's what pays for me to buy lots of manga. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quit your day job, folks. That's for sure. <laughs> David? Uh, I'm David Brothers. I'm a manga editor and comics critic, which is sort of like being Satan and also a different Satan. Um, <laughs> Satan and Lucifer, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Satan and Lucifer. That's so much better. And I'm the editor. That's sad. And I've mostly been reading a bunch of Excalibur comics by Alan Davis over the past week. But I made an exception for this week's subject. (laughs) It's very kind. And finally, our host slash test subject, Chip Zdarsky. Chip? I'm uh, Chip Zdarsky, and I'm your worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Nah. That's, he's, That's a, all. he's a kind soul. He's a kind soul. <laughs> a kind old soul. Kind old soul. A good friend. Uh, so this week, this is technically episode one. This is our first episode Ooh. of Manga Explaining. Episode zero, which we recorded last time, was, you know, getting to know us, getting to pick the first book, getting to, getting to chat. And now we're going to dig in. We're going to dig into, with all of our critical facilities faculties uh, either way i feel like i feel like episode zero was just really laying out my deficiencies <laughs> you know uh so it's all uphill from here it's all up it's all oh, uphill from here so the book we chose and i uh the every, the other hosts were kind enough to let me choose the first book uh was akira volume one uh, and I chose it because it was uh, Akira as a property was a real breakthrough for me. It's the it's the thing that um, maybe got me started down the path of uh, of of the Japanese comics and the Japanese animes that has let's say <laughs> defined the last ten years of my life. And so I wanted to start off. I wanted to talk a little bit about Akira for fo- for folks who aren't uh, familiar with it. Uh, just the publication history, because we're we're going to dig into the meat of what it's all about. I think when we when we talk to each other. So Akira uh, is a manga by uh, author uh, Katsuhiro Otomo. It was serialized twice monthly and sometimes even weekly uh, from December 1982 through Jan- June 1990 in Japan in the Japanese manga uh, magazine Young, uh, published by Kodansha. It uh, Akira runs through six collected volumes. This is the first one, and this is what we're covering this week, totaling a little over 2,000 pages of work. Uh, and with chapters that average 20 pages or so, especially at the beginning, it's about the equivalent of 100 or so issues of your favorite contemporary superhero comic as one big, long, continuous story. Uh, one of the many things that makes Akira notable for Western audiences, though, is that the manga was translated into English and published by Marvel Comics at a time where not a lot of manga was translated in English and uh, and in America at all. Um, it was also flipped. Uh, so my version is the flipped version, and it reads in the Western uh, American orientation. Um, so this happened in 1988. Uh, the manga came out in the West. 
And that was incidentally also when an animated film uh, based on the Akira property was released in Japan. Of course, you know that animated film or anime, if you're if you're cool, uh, was really <laughs> was uh, dubbed was released in theaters in North America on VHS, and it's on VHS that uh, I actually discovered it uh, through a friend passing me a tape uh, in uh, in middle school. Mm-hmm. Going, you got to you got to see this one, uh, which is pretty fun. Uh, one more quick fact: uh, the manga was actually the f- uh, originally released in Western ter- territories in color, uh, computer colored by Steve Olaf, um, making it the first ongoing uh, comics work to use computer color uh, in uh, in North America. And another fun fact, which is less fun, is uh, while the color Marvel issues did finish up in their original run, republishing the the single issues, the trade paperbacks that Marvel was doing with uh, graffiti designs and the hardcovers never finished in North America. Oh. So if you had been reading the trades or the hardcovers, you never got the end. You never got volume six. Uh, it wasn't until Dark Horse uh, in 2000 uh, started republishing it, this time, this edition, in the original Japanese black and white. Uh, and then the original Japanese publisher, Kodansha, entered the market in uh, directly with Kodansha Comics, pulled the rights back from Dark Horse, put out their own edition that was just the Dark Horse edition with a different logo on the spine. Mm-hmm. And that happened in 2009. But uh, finally, finally, in 2017, they released a brand new edition of Akira as a hardcover box set. And this is the one you may have seen uh, unboxings of all over the internet uh, for a while. And this one is in its original uh, right to left Japanese reading orientation. And it's also got a brand new translation, the original Japanese sound effects, some back matter. It comes in a really pretty box. I think that's the version that Deb uh, has in in her collection. And uh, I should say, there is no official printed or digital release of the Color Akira editions at this time. I know a lot of fans who are superhero fans know Akira as Color Comics. Mm-hmm. But if you look, you can find them. That's all I'm going to say about that. And without any further ado, Chip, what did you think of Akira? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh? I, I loved it. Uh, there, there are things in it that tripped me up, but I was pretty amazed at how wildly inventive it got, mm. uh, especially mm. in terms of like panel layouts, because it, it is so long and, you know, there are a fair amount of bike chases, but uh, they managed to like kind of breathe new life into every page and I... I like studying it, I I don't know I don't know how they did it because, like when I'm writing comics or drawing comics, I always notice that I'm repeating myself constantly, mm. and uh, there's no repetition in here at all, which is stunning. I I don't know if it maintains that through volumes two through six, but, um, but yeah, it, it's it's pretty wild to uh to read for the first time. Interesting, and you and you obviously David Deb and I had read it before. Uh, what did you guys think on this reread uh, in this 2021 different time, different place? David, go ahead. <laughs> so I'm at the part in rereading where it's like, oh, it's all like the little details and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And kind of building on what Chip was talking about, about like the sheer diversity of artwork in the book. The way Kaneda's like black leather jacket is rendered is really cool mm-hmm. to me this time yeah. around. Because it's mostly like a black figure with maybe whiteout marks or vice versa. Uh, I don't draw, so I can't actually say exactly what it is, but it stands out compared to the rest of the book, which has like a very clean kind of gray uh, feel. 
like with the screen tone and things like that. Mm. And it's just like such a cool way of rendering such like a tiny thing. And it even works when there's a fight scene where he's in black water wearing a black jacket, but it's still perfectly intelligible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by the tools that were used because every line has such life to it. Because mm-hmm. the backgrounds can sometimes feel really sterile in books like this where there's a lot of detail in it. But, uh, but the, the line work is just like, it's so varied, but just finely varied. Like it's not, mm-hmm. a, it's not a brush. It appears to be a dip pen. And then um, the, the Zipatone or Letraset for the gray is also really masterful. Yeah, yeah. Like technically, obviously, it's 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 amazing. Yeah. Um, and one thing I really took note of was because the backgrounds are so detailed and really realistic, uh, and the, the characters kind of obviously have more of a cartoony element to them. Uh, it reminded me a lot of American animation mm. because that's kind of the the history of animation is spending a lot of time on your backgrounds. And then keeping the character simple because you have to like redraw them over and over again, and you don't you don't notice that kind of that difference in like the superhero comics. Like they the superhero comics foreground and background characters or, or uh, elements are usually kind of done in the same style, whereas mm-hmm. here uh, obviously there's a there's a discrepancy there between the two. But it works so well because the rendering is lovely, and uh, and there's still like fine details even though the characters are quite cartoony. I wanted to actually ask you about that. Deb, I'm going to come back to you and get Ooh. your thoughts. But real quick, you said in the in episode zero, uh, Chip, that you didn't gravitate to manga because it was it seemed cartoony. It seemed like less mature mm. than the Vertigo books that you were reading. And uh, while reading this, again, my big experience was like, wow, he really cartoons the hell out of this book at parts oh, yeah. like it is like especially the one that really caught me was at just at the beginning when the uh, the gym teacher is just slapping the shit out of him. Yeah. Uh, and he yeah. like flips his hair back in like this super cartoony dramatic mm-hmm. style and it's just like there's that character that scene is in the movie but it's uh, everyone's on model in every frame of the movie. Like there's there's such <laughs> there's so little exaggeration that way. And this one, Kaneda yeah. is kind of rubber, especially for the first half of the volume. Like his face is constantly doing all kinds of crazy shit. It gets a little bit l- less so as it goes on. But did that, did that put you off, uh, Chip? Did, or no? No, because it, it actually it felt like it matched the tone because you know uh, there's the rubbery cartooniness, but the situations are also like that too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, even looking at the scene with the headmaster yelling at them all, like it's, it's very, everything's very exaggerated mm-hmm. in terms of tone and the way the characters talk to each other, which is actually something that it took me a while to get used to as well. Like, I don't know if it's also a translation issue, but I found a lot of it just kind of like really jarring. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the, the big difference for me reading, you know, North American standard superhero kind of books in this is the, uh, the balloons, uh, when somebody's yelling, you have like you know the spiky balloons, but in here it felt like if someone's voice raised slightly, they would use that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which 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 kept throwing me off because like it just always felt like a character going, "Well, I don't know about that." Well, I do know about that. Like it's just like really, <laughs> really intense uh, as a reading experience, but it also um, lends to that cartooniness of it all. Like nothing, nothing actually feels natural in the text. Um, everything's kind of hyper exaggerated. 
the whole mm-hmm. way through, and, or did you think more so at the beginning and less so at the end? Um, kind of, kind of the whole way through. Uh, and again, I think some of it is just translation issues. But uh, but but it all it is all very exaggerated. Like this isn't just a straightforward sci-fi story. It's a sci-fi superhero story. Hmm. Like like I was just when I was reading it. There's a scene where like the the government officials are coming to the the school, and uh, Kaneda uh, just smashes out of like a third story window. Yeah, at the beginning, that's that's pretty. That's fun. so good. And it's like okay, yeah, well, like. When that happens, you're like, okay, it's not just like, you know, close call motorbike chasing. It's like this, the whole world is really heightened here mm-hmm. with this 15 year old firing guns and like doing these uh, insane stunts. Um, and you, you, you lose yourself in it. It's, uh, you know, I found it pretty delightful. Mm. Yeah. So let's backtrack for just one sec. Deb, did you have any initial thoughts on rereading or anything you wanted to share? Anything that stood out to you this time through? Um, well, I guess... What I find, what I always find really interesting is um, because I, I haven't read this in its entirety for I'd say at least ten years. Mm. I I kind of know what the premise of this, what the premise of the story. But then the like Chip was saying, like the sequence of how things happen, is always really surprising and delightful. Like there's this moment where he's, where Kaneda is like a, he's in the sewer and then like he's falling down, but then he then he. Jump propels himself off the side of the of the sewer, and like jumps mm-hmm. across. Yeah, you know. And then there's these moments where like in the where the motorcycle like runs over the clown guy's face. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's yeah. um, there's always something really inventive about it. Mm. Like it's it's very kinetic and it's not hard to follow. You know, like with so much detail, it can. It, it, you would think that it would be hard to follow what's going on. Like I find that happens sometimes with, with One Piece. I find that sometimes happens for me with Attack on Titan. Like it, it's so detailed, but it's hard for me to follow what is actually happening. Mm. I don't. You know, Akira has a ton of speed lines. Like you can, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's really, it, it could be busy, but you can feel this energy. Mm. When we were talking about the. The, it's all Japanese sound effects. There was this one panel here that just kind of threw me off a little bit, which was this one where he's just, all, what he's saying is all in Japanese. Which page is that? This is page 260. This is when he's like, he's like getting all the, the gangs together. And that's what just What volume like, though? Uh, volume one. Oh, I, it's different in my edition. Huh. Fascinating. Yeah. It's not, it's about maybe three quarters way through. Yeah. But it's like when he's getting the gangs all together, he's, and then um, the Japanese text is like really tightly, like tight letting. And then you look in the bottom and there's a translation that says, we're not going to let a, a bunch of jaw hobbling junkies kick our asses. We've got good health and bad fucking behavior. Let's show them who the real delinquents are. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it's, so, it's a little weird, right? Because you know all the text is in English, and then all of a sudden, like when he's yelling in Japanese, mm-hmm. he's like, "Yep, yeah, like they kept it with the original Japanese text." That's and, interesting because it's totally different on mine, and I like yours better. I oh, like yeah? I like the way that the yelling is in the background. Yeah, but the, even the translation on mine is different. Is it? Yes, damn it! It's a man of honor. No bikers worth a shit. Let a bunch of junkies kick their asses. And yours is like so much more what I think of Akira as being. Yeah, like, yeah. like yours is just like 
uh, we've got you know bad behavior, and we're like it's just like yeah, it's uh, it's inter- it's yeah. There you go. The way that uh, he that Otomo <laughs> uses Japanese text, in, hmm. like the sound effects and stuff like that, I appreciate that the the Kodansha edition keeps all the original Japanese sound effects, but rather than subtitling what the sound effects is, you have to go to the back, and then there's this whole list of what the sound effects are, mm. which I find it. not helpful if you're an English reader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I can I, read Hiragana and Katakana, and I can see where, it, I can see, like, you know, like, the moment where, like, um, Tetsuo's, like, feels like this, boom, you know, like this, like this psychic um, headache, like this throbbing in his head. You can hear the dodon, you know, because I can read that. But to mm-hmm. anyone else, it just it looks like rectangles you really, and rectangles. <laughs> you're looking at it. Are you really going to flip to page 500 to see what those rectangles exactly. are? Yeah. Exactly. I like actually, I got to say, uh, when, when it comes to sound effects in manga and chip, we're going to b- run into this a lot. Mm. Uh, my edition, the Dark Horse edition, everything is completely translated in English mm. and all the Japanese is taken out. And some of the background graffiti and stuff is even a little bit censored in my edition. Mm. Uh, but I like what Yen does where they leave everything in and then they gloss it. Like they put the English underneath yeah, as yeah, if it's yeah. like like a translation of the sound effect in the style of the sound effect, but they leave the Japanese in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it adds to the visual clutter a little bit, but I think it also let gets, I don't know, I think lettering is such a big part of art, in at least in manga. I don't think it is for everybody, but I think for a lot of manga, it's such a big part of the art. And we'll, we'll include graphics on yeah. the show notes or something like that. Uh, but like the, the example that Deb showed were like, that all that text was, 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 deleted from my edition and then replaced with word balloons. Uh, whereas in your edition, it's part of the art. It's supposed to be like one really solid, beautiful piece of artwork. So that's interesting. Yeah, I mean like this kind of stuff, right? Where it's, um, where you, the, the motorcycle is going, it's just, it's a do, 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 <laughs> you know, but it, it doesn't tell you anywhere if you're not, yeah. if you can't read Japanese. So I, uh, the only reason why I, I started to realize this, how, how uncomfortable this could feel was when mm. I read Korean manhwa. Oh, okay. And then there would be not a uh, translation of the sound effects. And I'd be like, what is that? You know? Like, uh, what was it? I've been, I've been reading uh, Uma's Table. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is Korean. And there's a degree of that. And you're like, oh, that's what it feels like to read this and not in <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> Actually, so yeah, Chip, did that bother you that the trend, you, you have the, the, the new edition, the Kodansha edition, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Did that bother you that the sound effects, sorry, actually, are your sound effects in Japanese or are they in English? Is it just the Dark Horse one with the Kodansha logo or is it the new edition? I, think uh, that, I mean, they're in English. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I, I think I, that I, the paperback uh, version is the, the black, the Dark Horse as paperback. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. I thought that they had done a new printing of the paperbacks, which took the hardcover guts uh, out. But no, eh? Okay. No. Uh, I mean, the, they've been they've been steadily reprinting new vers- new new runs of the Akita box set, mm. um, but they haven't re- re-released it as uh, as you know fresh uh, paperbacks. I think possibly because what's coming up in the next year or so is Otomo is editing all of his work. And re-releasing it. Hmm. So uh, the, I think that'll be that'll be aw- like I can't wait for it. Yeah, but I wonder so which, he says, which he has editions a whole bunch they'll of release. Stuff that's com- <laughs> never made it in English and is, or as com- if it came in English, it's completely out of print in English. Mm. So he's he's doing this complete end-to-end 
a re-editing of his entire output. Mm. So I'm, my guess is that they're holding out on that. Just like that's why there's no digital. And mm, very exciting. Mm. This is interesting. Uh, I think that would have been a barrier, but I think some of the other manga that we'll end up suggesting to Chip at some point will have those Japanese effects. We'll mm. come back to that and ask him how he feels about, about that in the book. So if anyone from Kodansha is listening to this podcast, I am apparently, and Chip, uh, apparently are the only ones without the new box set versions of Akira. If you would like to comp us <laughs> copies of the Akira box set, we uh, would gratefully accept them. Well, I don't know about Chips being grateful, but I would be grateful to accept it. But that's okay. Yeah, be somewhat grateful. Yeah, somewhat grateful. There we go. You know what? Thinking about this is like a as a there's there's so much weird stuff about Akira the manga. I kind of mm-hmm. want to get into, but the first thing I want to ask Chip is: Did you notice that there's no chapter breaks? Did you notice that this is like effectively a graphic novel that just like goes and it's just scene after scene after scene after scene after scene? I did notice, and I have a lot of questions about that. Ooh. <laughs> okay, Let's we've it. got answers. <laughs> I mean, I, I I learned in your intro that it was serialized. Yeah. Um, but how? Oh, you don't see where where the cutoff is. No, I can't. Yeah, like it. it it's all clearly just one story, and I'm just like, well, where, where were they cutting scenes? Did they change page lengths? I never thought um, of that for each installment. Or the last page of the first chapter, the very first chapter, yeah. was uh, is sorry, page thirty one, which is when the police get here, tell them how it happened. But but aren't you the police? Uh, that's actually the last page of the first chapter of the very first chapter of Akira, the first serialization. That makes sense, right? Because it cuts to the, the school on the next page. Yeah, and that's okay. sort of where it ends. Like, But aren't you that the police? That doesn't line up with my numbers, I should say, too. Oh, okay. like, these are uh, all very different versions, I guess. You, Chip. <laughs> I, I love it. I love that we've all got completely different versions of this book. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how you know it's a classic. None of the volumes <laughs> line up. Uh, that's, uh, sorry, the main volumes line up. The page numbers don't. But, uh, but yeah, so... It was serialized in Young Magazine, and every chapter had a title page that he drew uh, that is not included in this edition. It's actually only ever, they were only ever published in the Akira Club hardcover book that's in the box set. There's a section that has all the chapter pages. And uh, so there would always be a standalone illustration to break up uh, the, like to introduce the manga when it started. Mm -hmm. But he really conceived of this as you literally start uh, page, well, page one, page five, but page one of of volume one and read through to the last page of volume six, like Mm -hmm. as like, just like scenes shifting. And when he wants there to be a pause or wants you as a reader to take a moment, he'll do that in the text. So there'll be things like, a double page spread of the crater where you're supposed to sort of like, whoa, and take a breath at the very beginning. And that continues like when the Colonel gets to the underground base, the big sort of chilled, cooler round thing with the tubes coming out of it. That's like where Akira is like that also, for example, is supposed to be like your pause, your break your whatever. But yeah, there are absolutely invisible chapter cuts in here because he would just start the next scene and every once in a while i could kind of tell 
when we were starting maybe a new chapter because there was like a good cliffhangery, like or pseudo cliffhanger mm-hmm. at the end of a scene. And then we go in and we start a new scene somewhere else. But sometimes uh, I went and checked. Sometimes these scenes break in media res. Like you like break in the middle of a scene and then start mm-hmm. in the middle of the scene, the same scene in the next, in the next chapter. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, how do you keep an idiot in suspense? <laughs> you know? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you next month. So this, this, this leads to my next question. Which is, um, did did everyone know how long this was going to go for from the beginning? Like, was it plotted <laughs> out that way? Probably not. No, because well, I uh, you know, I, my my comparison is the like you know I do work for Image Comics, and we all strive to create like a full time ongoing series, but we also recognize that sales may mean we'd have to wrap it up after you know twelve issues or twenty issues, whatever. Hmm. Um, so I'm just wondering if the success of this meant that he felt forced to go as long as he did, or if that was always the plan. Hmm. That's an interesting one because the, the anime came out before the manga ended. And so that's why hmm. the anime has kind of a weird truncatedness to it. And the ending is different. Hmm. So I read an interview with him today. And uh, with with the creator, with Otomo uh, Sensei. And he's like, I plan to cure to be one volume. But literally, as soon as I started working on it and introducing these characters, I just kept creating more problems for myself from a storytelling point of view, mm-hmm. where they had stories that needed to be told that fed into the overall thing. I I think I'm going to say if anything, it ended maybe earlier <laughs> than, he, than he intended at a certain point uh, with six wow. volumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he wrote... It, it, he said he wrote it as like this is a one volume thing, but he knew by like I don't know, a couple chapters in that it was going to be much longer than that mm-hmm. because he just kept introducing characters who had backstories and arcs that needed to get told. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the first volume came out, and the first volume sold three hundred thousand copies on a uh, three thousand copy I think original print run or something like that. So it was just like, oh, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like I can <laughs> yeah. just literally do. Yeah whatever i want and here we go so i actually feel like uh especially at the end in volume six some of the chapters uh, that were serialized were like 12 pages he couldn't even hit 20 pages because he was so busy with so much other stuff going on or like you know he didn't want to use assistance or whatever or whatever so i think that like he probably wrapped it up just sort of like miyazaki well if we ever talk about nausicaa of the valley of the wind the manga by Hayao miyazaki he just it ends it doesn't complete <laughs> it just ends stops and i kind of feel like akira has a much more natural ending Mm. but i feel like if he had been still firing all cylinders like he was a couple volumes earlier like if he hadn't had to stop to work on the anime and stuff akira could have gone on for longer for sure like Mm. there's still there's still stories there uh to be told i think uh but i could Mm. be wrong I i would guess that he had a plan um because there's stuff in the first volume like actually the first half of the first volume that comes back into play like three or four volumes down the line. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he at least knew where he wanted to go at the very least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if it wasn't, you know, guaranteed. Huh. Well, I've, I've got another question. These are all just like, I don't know, technical questions. I don't understand a lot of things. Um, so in the version I have, the first several pages are color mm-hmm. uh, uh, paintings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that how it originally started? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a yeah. lot of manga will get, especially on their first chapter, color pages to basically be like, hey, look at this. This is new and exciting mm-hmm. kind of a it, thing. It, it's so weird to me because uh, as I opened a book and I started to read those pages, I'm like, 
these are bad paintings. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just straight up not good paintings. Mm-hmm. Like like the the two page spread of the explosion and the buildings. Like if that was drawn by him, it would have had so much more resonance, so much more feeling. But it's just mm-hmm. clunky brushstrokes, and doesn't make use of his you know knowledge of perspective and tone. Like uh, I, I, I was I was surprised actually. And then when uh, when those color pages end, and you get that first page, the black and white page of the freeway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the city. It's in one the of distance. the most. Yeah, it's one of the most gorgeous things I've seen in the comic ever. Mm. And there's and there's not a lot to it. Like it's just such a well composed, ominous page yeah. um, that it blows everything before it out of the water. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm surprised that that was part of it. Like the 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 painted colored original pages because everything that follows is so much better. I wish we had the color versions to show you um, that Marvel, Steve Olaf, and Olaf. they did for Epic back in the day. Like, Olaf's colors kind of follow these paintings as a guide a little bit, kind of a similar okay. mood, similar tone. But huh. because it's over his art, it looks a lot better, I think. Yeah. There yeah. Was, I mean, the, I, there was a thing with uh, the, the guy who did the colors, is that um, he worked closely with Otomo, and Otomo did, colored some of the pages. And mm-hmm. okay. gave him a sense of how he wanted the color tones to be. And then he used that as a starting point. So whenever Felix Comic Art sells some of these pages, he'll mm-hmm. sometimes say, this is an Otomo colored page. Yeah. Oh, I bet those are a little bit more money. Those are a little more money. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't have an association with uh, um, Japanese comics and color. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just never comes to my mind. Uh, when I, when I think of it's, comics, it's from largely practical, there. you know, because it's a lot cheaper to print uh, on, like you know, when these magazines are serialized, they're p- printed on fairly cheap newsprint, news mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, to print color like you do in American comics um, is very expensive to yeah. print, and it's very heavy. So, like, there's if you ever read, there's a there's a manga about a guy who works in a, a bookstore called Skull-Faced Bookseller of Honda-san. Mm. And Honda-san is a book buyer, and his, he's responsible for the American comic section. And so whereas all the other booksellers can you carry a stack of manga and go restack their shelves, he has the American stuff, and he's, and he's like, oh, god damn, this stuff is heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an inside, like, this person works in publishing joke in the comic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah. love that! I love that so much. Uh, that yeah. Skullface bookseller Honda Honda San is is awesome. It, it's so funny because now now we and I, I've I've tried this a couple of times. When you put in a quote trying to get like a North American comic printed on newsprint mm. because you like the feel of it or whatever, it costs more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like because Ron Wimber they did right with his with his Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I if I decided to do a black and white newsprint comic, it would cost me more than a thicker paper, full color comic. Yeah, I really uh, like so uh, backwards. Like in Hip Hop Family Tree, what I really appreciated is that he there are when he when he's telling the story of uh, the, the comics artists, the uh, the rap artists from the seventies. It's all colored and looks like newsprint. And then when he shows mm-hmm. the the artist in today reminiscing, then it's all they put a they put a white uh, back color to make it okay, really yeah. pop and look like modern day. So he really mm-hmm. plays with the, the this newsprint color and stuff like that. But what I like 
what I like a lot about um, Japanese manga being black and white, and particularly with someone like Otomo who has beautiful line work yeah. and tone, is that it's so crisp and nice that and the he's in control of the of the color and of the of the density and like you know what to come for what comes forward what goes in the background whereas i sometimes what i find hard about american comics is sometimes if you have a bad colorist it just becomes this big muddy mess oh god yeah no i know it's um <laughs> like i'm 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 a i'm a pain in the ass to work with on on most comics and I think colorists probably hate me <laughs> even more than the line artists because, uh, yeah, the, the the speed at which comics are made, some colorists are just like basically slapping down color, and you know mm. they enjoy the rendering more than they enjoy the color choice mm. because that's a, a, a huge thing with North American comics is the rendering, right? Mm. It's a, it's the same problem that you have with the line art too. There there are certain comic artists who just want to you know do cross hatching on, on batman's muscles but they're not thinking of anything beyond that and, mm-hmm. and and color artists have the same problem they just want to like render a face and like the cheekbones and everything but they're not actually choosing color mm-hmm. i was dealing with a colorist this morning where they're having difficulty they're doing flat colors and they're having difficulty with the color choices and i i just i sent them an article for about matt hollingsworth uh on hawkeye oh okay yeah I think it was the New York Post did this piece on him about like this the amazing color work he does, and they showed his flats, like with the, the colors without the ink, mm. and the colors without the ink. You could still, it was all unified. You could still tell, you know, what the what the story was, and you could tell what parts were supposed to pop out. Mm. Just really beautifully done, and uh, you know, I could picture that kind of work over this mm. because this is so detailed. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, I'd be very curious to see what the color version is because. In my mind, it's very flat color, where you just make certain elements pop. The color is really good, but it is also it suffers from the fact that it wasn't intended to be colored. Uh, they didn't yeah. take any of the screen tone out. It creates a really interesting look that I think is especially now like dates to a very specific time in a cool way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's like it's like the comic book equivalent of 8-bit graphics, you know what I mean? Or 16-bit graphics. Like at the time it's like, oh, we keep getting nicer and nicer graphics. But now that that look has its own weight, has its own importance, has its own resonances. So yeah, if you get a chance, there are some like example scans uh, on the internet that <laughs> you can maybe take a look at. Uh, I would recommend that. But yeah, actually on that note, since we were talking about story structure a little bit, did it change anything for you when you started reading this volume knowing that it's only six volumes that it actually has an ending to it is it less intimidating that way because you're talking about like is it did it always intend to be six volumes or whatever and it, it you know let's let's say he's never said anything to the contrary uh yeah. other than i screwed up at, in the planning stages but then by volume one like i knew it was going to go a certain length uh did it was it less intimidating for you to know that it had an ending the only thing I found intimidating was my wallet. <laughs> okay. Like, like knowing it's six volumes and I don't know when I buy a novel, which is a complete story, you know, at most I'm spending, you know, 20 bucks probably on it. And with this, it's like, okay, if I want the full story, um, like what, what was this? This was like 30 Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Thir- yeah 30, 30 Canadian. Mm. So, uh, you know, I'm pushing like 200 bucks there. To, to get the full story <laughs> yeah <laughs> which which you know i mean i'm not necessarily hurting for money but i'm not doing that well <laughs> like, uh, 
Um, so to, to to get the rest, I found I found that part a little intimidating because like I when I hit the end, I did want to find out what happens next. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm sure I will end up uh, buying the next volume, and and all the way through to volume six because why stop at two, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the only part I really found intimidating. I, I, I'm fascinated that somebody can spend that much time on a thing, and and devote that many pages to to a story. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of want to see if it changes, because that's the other thing. Like when you're reading a novel, mm-hmm. it's not like the as you get closer to the end of the novel, the writer gets better, <laughs> right? Like you, I mean, maybe it does, and like I just can't see it. But you know, if you're reading a novel, <laughs> uh, it, it, there's a consistency to it. Mm-hmm. And I find with comic books and graphic novels, like if, if there's a long run, there's a change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and it's it's obvious because it's it's in the art and not the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so so that that part I'm really interested in to see what the difference is going to be between volume one and volume six. And if um, there's a consistency to it, I yeah. I don't know, man. I'm looking at volume six right yeah. here. It looks like Akira still. I I felt like you know like his his drawing evolved before, like his yeah. like in the because I have some of his the Japanese short story ones, like Highway Star and um, the one with the big whale Sayonara Nippon. Mm. And yeah, for project the one thing to project, that different to though. Was the, and you see that a little bit in volume one. Is there's some there's some real jokey moments. Like uh, the the time when like the, she sets the girl sets the the bomb off in the in the sewer, and he's like, "Yay, I got him!" And he's like, "And she because she had covered her ears, but he says, could you give me some warning next time?'" <laughs> and then then there's several chapters after that where he he can't hear, and then yeah. he's going, "Huh, huh." <laughs> <laughs> I think that yeah, the tone does change. Like it's still a little bit goofy, but oh yeah, I think that. With a long-running comic like this, um, in addition to the craft changing, there's an element of, I think, that artists figure out what they like to draw mm-hmm. over, like, eight years doing the same book, so they kind of lean into that skit a little bit. Yeah. So I think in that sense, there's definitely an evolution in Otomo's art and what he chooses to draw and how he chooses to depict it. The way he draws cities, I think, changes a little bit. Oh, really? How's, okay. How so? Uh well, there's a big spoiler thing that happens halfway through this story. Okay. <laughs> that requires one thing, but mostly it's in the detail. Yeah. Like in terms of like a lot of the character in the in volume one comes from how old and decrepit the buildings look. Like mm-hmm. they've been there yeah. for a while. There's tons of trash. Mm. It's just hmm. sort of almost like him showing off with his line. And yeah. the deeper in the series you get, I think the more you notice that like, oh, he's really good at drawing creators. He's really good at drawing characters in perspective, oh, like yeah. to kind of emphasize uh, like the setting, I suppose. Well, I'm looking forward to spending $200 to find that out. Yeah, it's great. Totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I know you asked Chip what uh, he thought was the most pretty good, but what did you think was the most pretty good this time around? Oh, right, right. Okay. I was actually going to jump in on this uh, earlier, but I wanted to hear everybody else's thoughts. But my biggest one was the anime has completely – I know I've read Akira before, but reading this, I couldn't help but compare it to the anime uh, Mm -hmm. the whole time. Um, I could – like, especially at the beginning – like the bikes, uh, I could hear the like the heavy breathing from the the soundtrack and the like crackle of thunder and 
the, the soundtrack is so, so, so iconic now. Mm-hmm. And I, I mm-hmm. couldn't help but hear it at key points in the, when I was reading. Um, anytime anything happened, I was mentally comparing it to the anime. Uh, and maybe, and, and it was like, not in like a, oh, this was worse or this was better, but it was like, oh, it's not like it's different. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just very aware of it. And that was surprising how heavily the anime had imprinted its version of the story on me, even though it is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, it's very different. Uh, that's the other thing. It's like Tetsuo goes back and forth to the army in some capacity, the army hospital three times in this volume. Like it ends with him going to like agree to go back with the, uh, with the Colonel to the army hospital again. Right. Mm-hmm. In the movie, that's one thing. It gets captured one time oh, really? and then that's it. They're, yeah. Like, like the, yeah. the movie is just so, oh, it's, compressed. Um, it's, it, 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 it's compact. And it's like, mm. I, I, when I was done, I was like, did a Tomo fix his early work? with the anime did he go back and look at it and go yeah that's weird that he goes that he gets taken to the military hospital then comes back to school then goes to the military hospital again then escapes and goes back to like and joins the bikers and then goes back to the military hospital again <laughs> like was that a mistake that he decided was in the story or is I he mean, just like that was important my story but i'm going to tell it a different way because of the different medium and that's that was the thing that was curious to me I imagine budget had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Because asking someone to draw three military hospital escape scenes in a, in a comic is one thing. Yeah. But then drawing, you know, 140,000 frames of it for an animation is a little bit different. I, I, I will say the, the repetition of him, like, kind of going in and out of the hospital um, it reminds me of the kind of the one actual story issue I have with this volume, mm-hmm. which is. Uh, uh, I, I don't have a sense of uh, Kaneda and Tetsuo's friends. Like, like when, when, when by the end, you know, they're, they basically are enemies. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have a sense of their friendship in the beginning because there's not a lot of time spent on it because mm-hmm. the incident happens so quickly where uh, Tetsuo is uh, taken away mm-hmm. and just kind of comes back and disappears and comes back that, um, that you don't really have as strong a connection as to um, kind of the brother turning on brother elements yeah that is a lot clearer uh, in the movie i think yeah i think it's more clear in the movie because they added the flashback where they're like mm-hmm. hey we were friends as kids check us out yeah. we're cute yeah. i mean that ha- that 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 <laughs> that shows up later in the ma- manga too but i yeah. think you're right it's like I've, I've i can forgive it a little bit because i know mm-hmm. i know that that aspect is is told later on and yeah. so like, when you come to it fresh and you've not seen it before it's like Oh yeah, what's the deal with these two? You know. <laughs> yeah, though I, I I will say that um, my favorite scene uh, in the book, also from a technical standpoint, is the uh, the death of Yamagata. Mm. Isn't that good? Which is is so masterfully done. Just like the 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 framing of characters, the pace of it, um, the the POV. Uh, the rendering, like everything about it, is 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 told for uh, maximum emotional impact. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't really have much of a sense of Yamagata in the story, like yeah. you feel that death on a level that I don't think you could pull off necessarily in uh, the anime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's done completely different in the anime as well. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. it's actually really amazing because, like, I think Kaoru Mori does this too, where the, just the facial expressions. Can mm-hmm. can tell you a lot about the, the personality of the of the character, 
without really having to explain too much. Like you can, yeah. like in the in the in volume one, you see uh, Tetsuo's personality change a lot, yeah. and it's it's all told through his. It's largely told through his facial expressions and body language. Oh man, him him riding the bike. Oh, like that hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that panel is it, boss. Uh-huh. It's one of the coolest shots I've ever seen. It's so good. <laughs> There's a scene in, I think, volume two or volume three that's, like, my favorite. This is a close second. With Tetsuo in, like, a fur-trimmed jacket. Uh, And it's just, like... on the elevator? On the elevator that is, like, oh, my God, he's the coolest person that ever lived. And he's, like, not. He's, like, a huge nerd with a giant forehead. But it's so fucking funny. (laughs) It's so good. Have you ever seen Barkira? uh, I have seen Barkira. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard of this shit? No. It's some. It's a fanzine where people took the story of Akira and they replaced them all with Simpsons characters. Oh, Bart Kira. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> it's. Uh, I gotta say, it's the most involved collaborative art project involved. I've ever I was seen. I gotta say, it's, like, it's crazy. I'm, I'm trying to picture like Tetsuo with like a fur-lined jacket. Just looks like uh, like one of the Gallagher brothers or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not too far off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> am, am I close? <laughs> you're, you're actually pretty close. Mm-hmm. That whole scene has like, well, and that's the other quote uh, that Otomo that really resonated when I was reading this. Uh, that, that Otomo said, "It's like it's rock and roll. Like the whole yeah. thing is like young yeah. kids and punks and rock and roll and drugs and whatever. It's just like fucking cranked up to eleven, and everything's just like going nonstop." And he wanted to tell a story for the youth, and he wasn't that old. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, you know, I say that as someone who's you know, much older than he was when he started Akira, but he wasn't old when he started Akira. Like mm-hmm. he was a lot closer to, to Kaneda's age than he is to his own age today uh, when he started yeah. it. And I think that that's a big, that's a big part of, uh, that's a big part of the story is that like, yeah, you should, it's so interesting too, because the movie is like the soundtrack to the movie is the antithesis of rock and roll. Uh, it is, uh, <laughs> it is like True. so atmospheric and so different. But yeah, like there are parts where like Kaneda should rock up and like the the that crunchy fucking T Rex guitar riff from Twentieth Century Boys should kick in, yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like that's <laughs> I feel like that's why Twentieth Century Boys as a manga exists by Urasawa. It's just so that he could like make that T Rex reference that fucking. Otomo, he was clearly inspired by, uh, did not uh, do an Akira. Oh, speaking of inspiration, the other thing I thought uh, that was really, really big for me is uh, I learned in between the last time I read Akira and now uh, how how important Akira was to Taiyo Matsumoto, who's my favorite manga artist, uh, who did Ping Pong and Tech on Kingcrete, Black and White, and uh, Sunny, which is uh, the sad one, and uh, lots of other stuff. I just rewatched the Ping Pong movie for a thing I'm working on, and the scene there, the flashback scene with Pecco and Smile, the two ki- the two kids from Ping Pong, is so like the flashback scene between Tetsuo and Kaneda when they're both kids mm. on the school ground, with Kaneda stepping in after Tetsuo has been bullied. Uh, mm. The same thing sort of happens in Ping Pong, and Matsumoto's not shy about talking about how Akira, how Akira and, and Otomo's work was the greatest inspiration on his own work, although you can't see it in his artwork. And he actually did. There's a really good poster. We'll put it up in the show notes of like a kid just with his eyes peeking over the edge oh, of Akira, like yeah. intensely staring at a volume of Akira as a poster he did, I think, for Angoulême. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, so much of the Kaneda-Tetsuo relationship 
informs, I think, a lot of the different uh, friendship relationships mm-hmm. between two dudes in uh, Matsumoto's early work, like Tekon, mm-hmm. like uh, like uh, Ping Pong, like mm-hmm. Go Go Monster, like I'm looking at my shelf, all the mangas, <laughs> and even then, Blue Spring, which was his first short story collection, is just full of like badass teenager fuck-ups uh, doing crazy shit at this school that's scheduled for demolition so yeah. everyone has given up on the students and the school and whatever. Anyway, so Matsumoto, hugely inspired by Akira, and I had never seen it until this reread, and I was just like, oh yeah, okay, I could see that. Uh, anyway, that was that was the other thing that stuck out to me. That's hmm. one thing that kind of gets lost in, not lost in translation, but lost in the <laughs> sands of time since this book came out huh. uh, is that Kaneda and Tetsuo and all the crew are like biker gangs, which mm-hmm. were like a real problem in 82 in Japan. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like if this was about Marvel Tufts in New York in the 70s, it's like the same <laughs> kinds of characters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's probably some shorthand uh, characterization wise that we're missing. Well, like the Warriors, like the Warriors movie, right? Where yeah, all the different gangs thing. had like a, had a shtick. And so like they have the clown gang, right? Mm. Very similar. And the capsules. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But there's like, even like, this, speed. like I didn't like, notice it's it not, the first time. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. like the how how they get all those pills is through the mm-hmm. the nurse. At the, the oh, I love the nurse. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, actually if like if I did choose one small thing about Akira that I like the most. Yeah. Um, I think the scene with Kaneda and the nurse early on says a lot about who he is when he starts. Yes. Like when oh he becomes God, yes. like the <laughs> protagonist of the book. He yeah, is not he's a good a piece guy. Of shit yeah. there. He's so. Yeah. Her, her, but then also when he like kind of forces himself on K uh, when they're hiding out in the bar and you're like, what the fuck? Like, this is not like, he's the protagonist at this point. Uh, and it's like, oh, it's revealed that he was actually like stealing something from her, yeah, which is yeah. like, all right, like that, they pulled that one out of the fire at the last <laughs> second. But yeah, no, he's a real piece of shit. And uh, they soften him so much in the movie. Oh, do they? Are there different translations for the scene with him and the nurse? Because oh, let's see one, what it says. <laughs> because in this one, when she tells him that she she thinks she's pregnant, he says, "Hey, great, can I watch you have it?" Yes, yeah, he says that. The same yeah, in all yeah, of yeah. Them. Yeah, Is that, that's straight through in all of them. Because that was like the most shocking line I think I've read in a comic book <laughs> in a long time. <laughs> for the main uh, character to be like so dismissive <laughs> and gross and like. But then you're also like, well, he's also 15. Like they 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 state yeah. his age in it. I'm like, I guess that's a 15 year old. Uh, but then he runs around shooting at people. So I'm like, well, <laughs> well that's and it. guns and the fact that he has a gun. That's another cultural thing. I think that David was talking about. Yeah, that is so shocking. Yes, uh, that would have been so shocking at 82 because there's no guns in Japan. And the fact that the resistance got their hand on a gun and then a 15 year old boy got his hand on a gun like that. <laughs> yeah. that there are manga that are just about what happens when a kid gets a gun and it's like nine volumes in Japan. That's just like a sub subplot in Akira volume one. There's this uh, scene in the corner, right? Where he kisses her. And then when he, when they, when they stop locking lips, there's a little, there's a little sound effect goes. (laughs) (laughs) I love the sound effects. (laughs) But then, you know, she has like, like this expression she has in her face, like, oh yeah, he's, he's great, you know, but then he still does shit to her. So I, I guess like, um, when, Stan Lee did a team up with the guy who did Shaman King. Um, oh, okay. That, that was that thing where he would he would write the story and then Hiroyuki Take did the art. And I remember that what was so jarring about that was that the, it made me realize that the American style of writing comics had these captions 
Mm. Um, these, and then there's something, something happened. And meanwhile, blah, blah, <laughs> yeah. blah. Whereas none of that happens in, in, in this story. And you, other than that, like, it, this is, this is Tokyo and, um, something, something like at, at this time, like all, all these, all these cities blew up and that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, captions in North American comics are, I mean, they're a shortcut uh, <laughs> if, if you don't have this, the room and the space, really, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. To, to get across what's happening, where you are, what's come before, what someone's thinking. Um, and clearly, based on the, uh, the, the pacing and the size of this, it's not needed at all. Like, mm-hmm. I can't even, I can't picture where you would actually put a caption if you were to be like, yeah, this thing needs captions. Like, <laughs> can you even imagine Canada um, having an unexpressed thought, though? I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I think the cover for that, they do a thing that 24, uh, the TV show 24 does a lot, where everyone always says what they're doing or where they're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've got to get to the sewer to the upper level to do blah, blah, blah. And like it's written in character, so it doesn't feel like exposition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's almost like yeah. someone psyching themselves up or something like that. I will every, say the every, every. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say every Stanley Jack Kirby comic. Like I would have been furious if I was Kirby for a bunch of reasons. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but like Stanley would just have characters say what they're doing as they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like they're totally, totally unnecessary just to put a stamp on a thing. Like, I need to jump over this wall to get to the other side, and it's somebody jumping over the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, that's what I, uh, one thing I like about Japanese manga. Manga so much part, better. A lot of it's the artist <laughs> is the writer. So yeah, you know, don't just tell me, show me. You know, and mm, yeah. they're in control yeah, yeah. of that. Yeah, I mean, how how often? Like, what's the split with manga in terms of? Uh, um, how many series are done with a separate writer and artist, and how many are done with like a single cartoonist? I want to say I feel 80, like previously it was mostly cartoonists. Yeah, but there have been a few hit series lately that kind of have both mm-hmm. writer okay. and artist. But like mm-hmm. the classics, you know, Rumiko Takahashi, um, yeah. Akira Toriyama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of the big names are cartoonists. Mm-hmm. Wow. Most of the work I, I find myself gravitating towards are cartoonists as well. I know that I think about it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Even stuff like all the sound effects being in perspective mm. in the different panels. Mm. Um, I gotta see that. See all these I gotta see touches. that edition because mine is mine's in all in English. It's oh bad. yeah, I love. I mean, I it's I love the, the original Japanese sound effect because they're it's it's part of the like this scene where like they're like where the motorcycles are like exploding oh. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a full on, you know part of the part of the composition mine uh so my the sound effects instead of doing the do 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 like they have there uh-huh. it's b r o o b r o b r uh and they use that so much so it's bro 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 uh which i think is <laughs> hilarious uh, uh that's the french version i forget what the american oh. one is oh that's good oh maybe bro 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 i remember like that, that um I remember hearing like this this American Life thing about Harley Davidson, and that mm-hmm. the the sound of a Harley Davidson is is copyrighted, like trademarked because it's supposed to sound like like uh, James Colburn saying potato over and over again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, potato, yeah. potato, potato, potato. <laughs> but kind of going back to Chip's point earlier about how so much of it is cartoony, 
cartoonier mm. than he well a mix of cartoony and realistic mm. occasionally he'll just draw one character in like extreme realism mm. for effect mm. like what's, uh, do you have a page that you're looking at uh let me there's one of tetsuo. that badass tetsuo drawing where he's driving the bike without his hands oh yeah, there's that yeah. one there's one where like he's leaning his head back and like looking at the sky a little bit before that mm. um i'm flipping through now but not fast enough clearly but it sort of adds to that feeling of the book where the definition of what's real is pretty wide, like what uh, mm-hmm. Otomo can get away with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just such a cool feel, even in the car chases. Like there's a bit where uh, Kaneda steals a truck and as he's stealing it, like there are all these like soldiers hanging off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's running over like two dudes, but it's like a, car- a cartoony Bugs Bunny kind of way. Yeah. And it's not realistic at all, but it's drawn in a realistic way. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of buy in, I feel. There's there's one bit of realism that I found quite jarring, which was the uh, the newspaper article. Oh, yeah. Mm. Where <laughs> so it's a, a photo f- of a woman. And I'm like, why would you do that? It's a joke. Uh, that photo is the photo that's on a it's – a, it's one of the cover models from Young Magazine. Young Magazine, the serialization, would, would have – uh, photo covers of like idols of like Japanese girl, like pretty Japanese girls. So that, that like magazine cover is an in joke from the serialization. Cause it was one of the characters that was uh, one of the, well, not one of the characters, but one of the ladies that was on the cover of the magazine. Cause at the end of the day, this dude was like in his twenties and like, you know, <laughs> making a funny manga. So yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I was That's really so thrown out by that as uh, at, at first yeah. as well. Wait, which page is this? I want to see. <laughs> it is uh, 109, 110 maybe in your edition, 108, somewhere in there. It's, it's, it's uh, minus 113. Japan Times, a week after 18th District disaster, canal repairs still delayed. And yeah, it's like absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely the Young Magazine cover lady, uh, probably for that chapter. Maybe even for that issue, but uh, maybe the one before it. That's very uh, funny. How funny. Uh, speaking of, since I have, uh, since we're doing quick uh differences i wanted to say they actually he went back in the tonka bonds that we've got here and made significant changes uh to the artwork uh throughout uh it's one of the things that we're seeing this 30 years removed from Mm -hmm. serialization Mm -hmm. 30 to 40 almost years removed Mm -hmm. from the serialization when it started and so he would actually redraw panels and sometimes rearrange or redraw whole pages between his serialization and his manga. And there's a, actually a really good website that's got a couple of pages that show the differences between. And I actually found another one. It's uh, it's funny, Chip, that you mentioned that the, um, the explosion, the painted explosion that starts off the book didn't look uh, up to your to, to snuff for you. Uh, and, I, and I actually agree. It's not up to the same level as his line art. That's a redo. That was Is done it? for the first volume. He actually, uh, someone found a copy of the first serialized uh, volume of, uh, or, or not volume, but chapter of Akira and Young Magazine from December 1982 and uh, put all the pages up. And the original double page spread there is so much worse, <laughs> like <Whoa>. shockingly <laughs> bad uh, that you can't believe that it's from the same manga, but all the other art is the same. It's just been cut and spliced and rearranged on the page and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's not, it's not what it should be considering how good the line art is. But uh, huh. yeah, the double page spread is brutal. Really? Uh, brutal. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. 
So you mentioned Young Magazine, and that reminds me of one thing we haven't talked about yet, mm. which is that manga in Japan is often organized by target audience mm. rather than like there's no one piece like go out and buy one piece issue number one. You have to buy Shonen Jump. And Young Magazine was targeted at adult men, I think. Is that right, Chris? It's a seinen manga. So it was, and it was at the upper end of seinen, uh, which is like older older teen, young adults, like or young people in their 20s. Mm-hmm. But a lot of salary men would read it as well. So yeah, absolutely that age group. And yeah, it would have like photographs of sexy girls. Sometimes, usually, uh, especially as the magazine went on in bikinis and things like that, as things got more permissible uh, into the 90s. Uh, it's so still it was like really that too. just... Yeah, yeah, it was like, like it's like if Maxim or something also yeah, yeah, yeah. had like 250 pages of comics an issue, <laughs> uh, along with right. like pickup articles and you know cute girls, and they're just like like cute. photo spreads. I actually bought Young Magazine, I think in '94 or '95 because I heard that that's where Akira was, and I thought it was a good start. So there was like a Japanese grocery near me, and mm. I uh, I started picking up issues of young magazine and i can't remember any of the manga honestly that was in it at the time <laughs> but it was just cool to get japanese manga i switched over to shonen jump because it was cheaper uh after a while <laughs> and that i remember it was uh the, the uh the shaman uh, it was the shaman king author's uh, story before he did shaman king maybe or no it was the yugioh guy uh, yugioh had just started serialization so i had the, the shonen jump issues where yugi was still doing like weird uh challenges every issue before it turned into just trading cards 100% of the time. <laughs> uh, but 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 uh, DBZ, I think, had was either just finishing or had just finished serialization and they were waiting for the next big hit. But mm. uh, yeah, yeah, I, it's it's an interesting thing that, that Akira was so firmly aimed at like people in their older teens and young 20-year-olds. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, like Ak- Akira coincided with rave culture. Mm. in like the late 80s early 90s so that's Mm -hmm. why like you know the the pill taking and the the, you know the biker gangs and stuff like that like sometimes i would go to like these warehouse clubs and they'd be showing akira on the screen yeah yeah Yeah, makes sense there was an entire music video where kanye west cosplayed uh tetsuo no way (laughs) (laughs) featuring daft punk it's uh wow it's a whole thing it's a whole thing yeah, it's stronger by Kanye West. Uh, look it up. It's uh, the it's it's the anime. It's not the manga, but that's okay. We will forgive it. Uh, it's it's actually really good. Uh, he did a great job <laughs> cosplaying Tetsuo. I thought. Uh, anyway, I think uh, Spike so, brought up something that she thought that, that with one difference between the anime and the manga is in the manga the, the female characters are a lot stronger and more um, uh, dynamic, and she mm-hmm. felt she felt like in the anime a lot of them were either kind of downplayed or kind of written out or like their, their interestingness. It's kind of like, I guess kind of sand, the edges were sanded down in her opinion. See, I know that's true, but having just reread volume one, you don't really see a lot of that in this volume. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of interesting. Like Kay is a good character. Uh, and I think even the nurse like gets some, gets a good line and is like a kind of a realized character, but you don't really get, like, you don't get the, um, the bodyguard, uh, lady, you don't get, um, the psychic lady. You don't even get, uh, any of the kids, um, mm. really like you just get Masaharu. Um, and I think if, well, Chip, you're, uh, pretty well known for <laughs> working on lady friendly comics. What did you think about that? Did you like, other than Kaneda being a total piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <laughs> It, it it felt very of its time 
in, in a lot of ways. And, mm-hmm. and that was definitely an instance to just have this like singular female character in this like mm-hmm. sea of uh, boys and men. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and yeah, my, my assumption is that as the volumes go on, that, that changes somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, again, it's just, it's a, there, there are definitely points reading this. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is the 80s. Oh, yeah, okay, this is the 80s. Like, Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, you just have to kind of excuse those things through the lens of time. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's not, she's not very defined in this. Like, I kind of want to know what her deal is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, hey, there's five more volumes for me to find out. Yeah, fifteen hundred pages to go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so we're coming up on uh, about an hour of recording time, and uh, we still have to. Uh, we still have another segment. We have an exciting new Ooh. segment this week. So before we do that, though, I wanted to get any uh, any final thoughts. Uh, uh, maybe we'll start with Deb, David, myself, and then we'll let Chip have the last word. Sure. Deb, did you want to? Did you have any final thoughts on Akira Volume One? Oh, I I just love rediscovering it i mean this was one of the first manga that really got me got me really into the medium i had always mm-hmm. read manga like shoujo manga and uh, shonen manga like stuff that's a little bit uh for younger audiences this was i think the first manga that i read was that was other than lone wolf and cub that was definitely for adults and the mm-hmm. art of and at, i read it at the time when i was making comics myself so i i can really appreciate the the level of artistry that's in this, um, the draftsmanship, the, and the now as I read, as I'm older, and I understand, I can see the the way the pacing of the story goes, how inventive a lot of the action scenes are. I appreciate it now even more. It's the, it's I want to read the rest of it. I mean, I sat down <laughs> in, this afternoon and plowed through it in an hour. It's it's great. I, I would gladly, I would recommend it to anyone to as one of the high watermarks of manga. I definitely want to read the rest of it too. David, what'd you think? I, um, like I said on episode zero, like I'm completely in the bag for the series. <laughs> uh, like, I think I feel like the two key points to understanding my taste is that I discovered Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man and Akira really early. Mm. And like, if you take those two is like my fantastic, like Lee Kirby, fantastic Four. a lot of things make more sense. Mm. Mm. Um, but like, I'm just always rereading this book because it's always teaching me how to read comics better. Mm. Like there are so many different things that he does, techniques that he uses, even just like the way he deploys screen tone or sound mm-hmm. effects or camera angles. There's always something in there where I'm like, man, this is like the coolest thing in the world. So rereading, it's always a pleasure. Mm. I, I gotta say, I agree. I, I really enjoyed rereading this. Uh, I, I couldn't get away on this read, and I think it's going to change as I, as I move through and read the rest of the volumes, just how different it was like from the animated version. Uh, the biggest change was, was the, how, car- how the cartooning is so good in this. Uh, he's so good. He's so expressive and emotive, and he can really like doing the things like suddenly getting more detailed and more realistic with his drawing and then suddenly going more cartoony uh, is not something that everyone can pull off. Like they just don't have the technical chops to pull that off and doing it in ways that enhance rather than detract from the story. For me, that was, that was huge animation, especially at the time, like Akira is really lauded as an anime for being like mature and sophisticated and complicated, complex, if not complicated. Uh, and the characters are almost always on model. 
You know what I mean? In the Akira anime. Whereas mm -hmm. here, there's so much more squash and stretch, and he's, he's not afraid to uh, draw in an emotional way. And for me, that discovering that, like discovering what good comics these are, not just a good story, not just a story that I'm kind of hooked on and was, was a big deal, but like how good these are as comics, that was the big, the big takeaway from volume one is, uh, yeah, if you like comics for what they are, Akira is such a good book uh, to read and to understand, <laughs> you know, what good comics are, to help understand what good comics are. Which brings us to our, our guinea pig, our <laughs> test subject, <laughs> our number 42. <laughs> Chip? I got that one. <laughs> what'd you think I of, got that uh, one, too. <laughs> what'd you think of Akira? Um, it both makes me want to draw more and to never draw again. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the big takeaway. It, it, I'm fascinated by David saying, you know, his entryway, what he loved was McFarlane, Spider-Man, and Akira. Because they're, they're two very cool comics, but as mm -hmm. time goes on, you recognize that one is technically in a different place. Yeah. Um, like, like, like they I'm, both I'm have always, lots of lines, <laughs> but then yeah, they like diverge. A, <laughs> it's, it's amazing that this, this, this is both. Like This is like technically unbelievable and also really cool. Because a lot of times really cool, when you look back on it, you're like, yeah that music wasn't really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm glad uh, I was 13 when this song uh, came out. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but with this, like, you know, with, with you know, my, you know, fresh eyes, like I don't have a nostalgia for this at all. Like it's, mm. uh, it's, it's gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to read, uh, the rest of it. I uh, think the road sure. will rise to meet us, uh, on the story front as well. I think that there's, a lot in this first volume that is a product of his time, that is the story finding its feet. Like the fact that mm -hmm. they go to the sewers three times, he goes to the military hospital three times, and he keeps, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't think that happens again. I think uh, starting at volume two especially, it becomes a very different, uh, mm -hmm. becomes a very different series. But uh, yeah, uh, that's, I'm glad that, I'm glad you all enjoyed it. I'm glad that my pick made sense for a good first volume uh, for everybody here. And, uh, I, I just actually remembered, I was thinking about the first time I read the Akira comics and I actually bought Akira 38, uh, which was the last issue of the Marvel series oh. off the newsstands when it was new. Oh, wow. Uh, and so my first Akira was the very last chapter of Akira. <laughs> and, uh, I'd seen the movie obviously by that point, And I was like, who the hell are all these people that aren't in the fucking anime? <laughs> so... I spoiled it for myself, obviously, but luckily uh, I was only like 15 or something, so uh -huh. it was okay. I didn't remember it by the time I got around to reading it. Uh, anyway, yeah, thanks so much uh, for, for indulging me on this first choice for this first long explaining. After the break, we will come back and talk about episode two. And we're back. So here's our sort of adjusted next segment uh first first next segment of the show it's called what's the next book that we're going to make chip read and normally deb david and myself would each suggest a book uh we would describe the book why we think it would be good for someone of chip's stature and history and lifestyle uh <laughs> to <All> read right. <laughs> predilections uh <laughs> and then he would pick it except we actually want to get ahead david had a very good idea that was, why don't we not fly by the seat of our pants and have to do this every single week where we have to like track down and read a book uh, in between weeks of the podcast. So we're going to go a couple months or a couple, couple volumes ahead. So for this first one, 
Chip's not going to get to pick. Chip's just going to have to take our suggestions for what the next book is. Uh, and so, uh, and then after that, we'll all make suggestions and Chip can pick. Is that, Chip, is that fair? You like, you get three weeks to buy the book instead of having to buy it in one week, but also you got to read all these ones. Are you going to be okay with that? Do I have a fucking choice? No. All right. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I've been uh, I've been calling on Deb first a lot. It's not fair. I'm going to call on David first now. David, what is your first suge- suggestion for the next issue uh, or the next episode of, of Manga Splaining? Uh, it's funny you chose me first because I was going to counter-program what you two chose. Uh, so I'll just leave <laughs> instead. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Delicious in Dungeon by Ryoko Kui. I think it's another book that there's nothing like it in American comics or like North American direct market comics, I feel. Mm. And it's really charming. So uh, hopefully Chip likes it. Could you you say that title again for me? Delicious in Dungeon. Delicious in Dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. It's like D&D mixed with the Food Network. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's all I need to know. It sounds good. (laughs) <laughs> they really wanted that D and D in the title without without getting sued by uh, Hasbro with T- uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So they, it's it's not the most felicitous translation of the title, but I like it a lot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, Delicious in Dungeon is, and it's a good series. I think uh, I'm glad you picked that. I'll have any excuse to reread that. That's really really. Fun. I think the French translation is uh, Gluttons and Dragons, which works a little bit better. <laughs> oh, I like that. It's got the good got nice. the good bounce. <laughs> Uh, next up, Deb, what do you want uh, the next book to be in manga explaining? Mm, let's we... see. To kind of change things up a little bit, maybe I'll do something that came out recently. Um, Mermaid Forest by Rimiko Takahashi. Oh, the, the re-release. Uh, the Viz re-release. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a, it's a horror story. Mm. Oh. And it's kind of like myth, and it's, um, it's, about, about the, it's about a myth that the, if you eat the flesh of the mermaid, you'll live forever. Um, so basically yeah, that's this, true. this person like does this and then you see him go through time dealing with um, trying to find the mermaids. Don't spoil it for me. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you know, like Rumiko Takahashi from like Ranma One Half and Urusu Yatsura, mm-hmm. which is just out and out funny. Or like Mason and Kyoku, which is very sweet and still kind of like charming and funny. Mm-hmm. Mermaid Forest is uh, dramatic and uh, scary. All right. Beautifully drawn. It looks like it's Mermaid Saga now. Mermaid Saga now. Okay, so we are going to... So for those of you playing along at home... Uh, and is it one volume or is it... No, it's two. It's, it's two there's two volumes. Um, is the second volume not out yet? It's out February 16th. So I guess, mm. yeah, let's just do volume one. We'll save Chip's poor pocketbook. Thank you. <laughs> guy's got how many volumes of sex criminals we all have to buy but no no we can't get <laughs> look, a six volume manga series look until that sweet podcasting money comes in i'm on a limited budget <laughs> fair fair enough fair enough um chris what's your pick so i was actually gonna david ruined my pick uh <laughs> by picking delicious in dungeon and it was i wasn't gonna pick that but i was gonna pick uh i'll tell you what it is because maybe i'll pick it down the road a little bit i, I have another book i want to do but i was gonna pick what did you eat yesterday by fumio shinaga and it's a manga that is very gentle and it includes recipes and it's like slice, very slice of life, short, short chapters and things like that. But I feel like it's maybe too close to Delicious in Dungeon, which also has recipes, although in a very, very different way. 
So we'll skip it on that. The book I want to recommend, and I actually don't know if I've still got a copy here in the house, so that's exciting, mm. is uh, Helter Skelter by Kyoko Ooh. Okazaki. Uh, <laughs> that's a good and, segue uh, from Mermaid Forest. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called, the, this edition is called Helter Skelter Fashion Unfriendly. And it's also kind of a, it's a it's psychological thriller, let's say. Okazaki is uh, considered to be like one of the greatest creators of Jose manga, which is like the women's uh, counterpoint to seinen manga, men's manga. And uh, when I read this, it just fucked me up uh, in a good way. Like it was just like, oh, wow, this idea. We have this idea of shoujo, of, of girls comics uh, and what they are. And uh, this um, lights that on fire in such a good way, such a smart, uh, smart, smart way. So yeah, Kyoko Kazaki also uh, hugely influential on so many mangaka as well. So I think it's a good foundational book, and I, I think, uh, I think Chip will like it. I think he will be <laughs> upset by it, uh, but in a good way. Uh, <laughs> okay, good. In a way good. that you'll, in the way that all of the readers, hopefully, that haven't read Helter Skelter before, will also be. So uh, yeah, so our first three books are Delicious in Dungeon Volume One. Uh, of many. Of, it's an ongoing series. Mermaid Saga, of one of two, which collects the complete mermaid work, books by Rumiko Takahashi. And Helter Skelter by Kyoko Okazaki. And those are going to be our next three our next three titles. I'm very excited to see how everyone fares with, with those <laughs> those three titles. Chip, what you, so, yeah, Chip, we've picked titles that we think you'll like. What do you think? How do they sound? Uh, it, it sounds good. Uh, so, so are any of them complete stories? Helter Skelter is co- absolutely complete. It's, okay, it's all right, complete okay. in one. All right, and cool. uh, Mermaid Saga is kind of like it's a collection of short stories that like yeah go you can on read for just a while. the first volume and be fine. It, it, okay. You won't feel like yeah. you're missing out. It's all it's right. more epi- It's kind of like um, Twilight Zone a little bit. Like it's okay. episodic. Mm. All right. Yeah. Because yeah. I just don't want to end up in the this, the Akira situation where uh, <laughs> we'll try up, not to do that to you. I'm gonna end up buying every volume. I think there's more delicious in Dungeon than there is Akira at this point, but it's sort of like Scooby Doo, and they're okay. way cheaper. Yeah, they're way cheaper volumes than Akira too. They're like Scooby Doo. Like you can just watch one and like you get it. You know, you don't have to yeah. follow yeah, yeah, the that's true. like that's the true. overarching hyper narrative or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's All actually right. interesting because Andrew read the first volume of that and he's like. Yeah, it's nice, and it doesn't really go anywhere. And I'm like, oh no, it totally does, though. <laughs> but it does feel very like much like your it's a, it's your own world. Oh, we're discussing the book before we read the book. Maybe Sorry. we shouldn't <laughs> do that. <laughs> yeah, so we are. So that is just about the first episode of Manga Explaining, uh, first official episode of Manga Explaining. I'd like to uh, to thank everyone for participating this week. That's awesome. I can't wait to not be the host next week. <laughs> That'll be exciting. <laughs> Whether we decide uh, to do. Uh, mermaid saga or or delicious in dungeon i actually uh wanted to also do a shout out segment because i know everyone loves talking about themselves and what they're working on and we learned last week we don't none of us like to do that do you have anything you want to shout out uh whether it's your own thing or something that you came across recently that you uh you want to give a little nod to maybe another podcast even maybe we can get those reciprocal hits i saw this uh alice in borderland um, anyway, it's an adaptation of a manga uh, in Japan, but it was pretty good. It's sort of like a post-apocalyptic, gotta team up to survive kind of show. Okay. Um, very violent, you know, very edgy, but really entertaining. Netflix keeps recommending that to me. You liked it, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, 
cool, cool. Is it a Japanese show or a Korean uh, show? A Japanese show. And really? complete okay. in eight episodes. Hmm. How about, uh, Deb, you got a, you got a shout-out, a recommendation, anything you might want to put into the world? Um, I'm super enjoying Blue Period right now. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. that what's that it's, one about? It's about a, a boy, uh, this uh, high school boy. He's kind of like, he's kind of like Kaneda, like kind of a delinquent, <laughs> but he's very smart. And then he discovers um, art. He discovers painting. And then he goes through this whole period where he's trying to get into art school. Mm. So it, it it's really touching because it's, um, it reminds me of going, you know, that moment in high school when you're getting ready, you want to go to art school and what you go through and um, trying to discover who you are as an artist. And mm. uh, it, it actually explains things like still lives and color mixing. And it's very, edu- it's educational about gripping. There's, like volume two has this scene where he tries to convince his mother to let him go to art school. That almost, that made me cry. It was so touching. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Chipper, anything that's uh, crossed your path recently you want to give a special shout out to? You know what? Honestly, all I've been doing is watching YouTube clips of uh, the UK Dunge- uh, Dragon's Den. Really? That's, wow. that's all I've been doing. Just. Oh. Just these, just these Brits pitching their terrible products awkwardly, and then these <laughs> these these British judges just being like, "Well, I'd never." And that's it. That's it. That's every clip. So check it out. YouTube.com. Y O U T U B E. Dot C O M. The, is that just Shark Tank but British? Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a uh, so there's Dragons Den in Canada. Yeah. Which is which is my entry into that world, which uh, which had Kevin O'Leary on it, who was like a shitbag, but not as big a shitbag as he is on Shark Tank. Yeah. Which I which I then discovered, and then and I run out of all of those, so now I'm I'm watching the UK version, <laughs> and also bits of the Australian version, which is actually too nice for me. Amazing. Yeah. That's my big shout out this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have been watching, I'm sad because I'm not in Tokyo. So I've been watching Midnight Diner on Netflix. Oh. Uh, it is, it starts off with that like slow cab ride through Shinjuku uh, and Kabuki Cho at the beginning and uh, plays the sad uh, country, Japanese country music and pulls at my heartstrings every time. And mm. uh, so, yeah. Uh, two Netflix recommendations. There you go. That's the new. That's the new basic cable. <laughs> is, uh, nice. is Netflix. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to the resources that I found while researching this episode. Um, exploring Akira.wordpress.com, Kodansha website, a couple of less reputable <laughs> websites that I will put links to in the show notes, but not mention here, just in case anyone's listening. But yeah, I appreciate that. There's so much. There's so many people that love Akira and have put so much work out there, and it made uh, the research I had to do today uh, to answer Chip's many, many questions so much easier. <laughs> so I'm really glad. So with that, let's wrap up this episode. Explaining episode number one, Akira, volume one, by Katsuhiro Otomo, published by Kodansha Comics. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga Delicious in Dungeon by Ryoko Okui, published by Yen Press. Want to pick up a copy? 
consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.